Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 195 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. Another Sunday morning, another Everton win, we're all in a fantastic mood. Looks like we have to dust off our passport at this rate for, uh, for Europe next season. Uh, but delighted to say we've been joined by, by Kirgis Somerset, Kirgis now, uh, new, newly signed, Jake Ball. Jake, how are you? A lot's happened since, uh, since we last spoke. Yeah, hell of a lot's happened, mate. Um, move counties, Everton's forms turned around, which is the main thing. Had a daughter, um, so yeah, things uh, things have, have changed a lot um, for for the better as well. So um, on all fronts, so I'm um, yeah, very happy, very happy man at the minute. I, mean, I think the thing last time you were on, I'm pretty sure it was post defeat, which wouldn't have been too difficult, um, given what's happened in the last the last couple of years. But nice to have you on to discuss to discuss a win, of course. Um, and like you said, you know, you'd, a, a big change in terms of the the cricketing career with you, you'd be in an Australia for for so long, and and now you you are you are moving to the uh, to the West Country for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean it's 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 an exciting move. I think at the age, the age I am now, I think you you start to look at um, your career and, and where you want to go in it. Um, and to to get a move at, at the age I am now is is exciting. I still think I've got a lot to to offer the game, um, even though you know 30, 33 at the start of next season. So um, yeah, I feel like I've still got a lot to offer the game, and, and really looking forward to to the challenge down there. I've got a lot of good young players. Um, it's a young squad, but you know it's um, it's an exciting one. So hopefully, um, have a couple of years down there and, and see what we can win down there. Go in like uh, like Gareth Barry did at Everton all those years ago, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be, I'll still be playing when I'm forty. <laughs> <laughs> on that yeah, bit, on that note, though, I mean, I, I know you're good mates with Stewie Broad, aren't you? Um, yeah. And, um, you know. 
Just a quick word on, on on his career. I mean, what a way to bow out as well. He's been a phenomenal cricketer, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's been incredible on the field, incredible off the field. Um, I I owe quite a, a lot to him. Um, you know, when I was, I think I was about seventeen or eighteen, um, I, I plucked up the the courage to ask him to to go for a coffee and talk about sport, talk about cricket, and how we'd sort of got himself to where he was. Um, and we we ended up spending about an hour sat having talking about cricket and and sort of how he'd got to where he was and it was it was one of the the best conversations um that I'd had for for you know to in terms of excel accelerating myself into into that uh, sorry this is ringing me um into that sort of um mindset you know I think he, he was so good at, at the the mindset side of things I learned so much from him and and you know, what he's gone on to do um is absolutely incredible and, and he deserves all the all the credit he gets yeah, I couldn't have, couldn't have put it better better myself. Uh, can he beat you at golf yet, though? No, he can't. He can't chip. You see, he went he went to go and see that um, chipping specialist I see on um, Instagram. Um, he still that still didn't help. So um, yeah, if you just get him around the greens or with a putter in his hand, he, he crumbles. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant, mate. That'd be like you, Lee, as well. From, no, uh, mate, sure, get me. Only from what I've heard, just just on the uh, on the grief band, you you sure I, came in a little bit of work. No, I'm the opposite, mate. I'm, I'm a bit erratic off the tee, and then just like a bit of a wizard around the greens, but a bit like a bit like Savvy, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I've, I've, no, I've, I've got I've got de- decent hands. I'm just off. I'm just like awful off the tee, just too in, too inconsistent. But uh, we still need to get a game, Jake. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll find. I move further. I move further away now, though. I know. Well, there's a couple of cracking courses down where you're going, mate. So we'll. Yeah, uh, yeah to be fair, I'm looking forward to it. A few of the lads said the golf is very good down there, so I'm uh, very excited to go down there. Yeah, take the sticks 100%. Yeah. Sorry, Lee, you put us through on the, on the podcast expenses. Exactly. I'm sure you won't mind. I'm sure you won't mind doing that. You can carry, <laughs> you can carry for me. Why not? Yeah. I'd like Nick Faldo's carry. What, what was she called? Fanny. Funny, <laughs> remember it? Yeah, I, yeah. That, that was my youth watching golf. I remember it for years and years. Caddying for uh, for Nick Faldo, that like me. I had one of those visors on, um, giving you giving you the yardage and all that. And I won't all the terms, me. You know, when it comes to golf, don't you worry about that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to things that I do know about, sort of, and, I, and that's football. Um, and it's it's great to you know we, we've had a not Everton now with with six minutes from nine, which is you know after. We always we always go back to these last couple of seasons, how hard they've been, and we're now starting to see Everton hit a little bit of form. Um, you know, we've gone away from home and, and winning games that maybe in the last couple of years we would have would have lost, or we, we certainly would have would have lost. You know, given given what we've been through and what we've what we've witnessed. You know, we've we've gone to Crystal Palace yesterday, and aside, you know, the home form wasn't great, but like us really, in terms of they've been better away from home. Um, but but a, a Palace side who, who had the probably two best players get in in, in Eze and Elise obviously off the bench. Um, it's always loud down there. Uh, obviously it, it's the floodlights are on. Um, it's a difficult place to go. I know we've got a good record. I think I think now by the way after after yesterday, Palace have only won one out of the last eighteen games against Everton, which I couldn't believe. I literally, I mean, I know we, I know we've had a few decent home performances against them, but. Away, away from home quite often it's a real tough game but 
that I think they out of the last ten games, I think five have been nil nil against Palace away from home, which tells you all you need to know, which backs up your your prediction piece from last weekend, wasn't it? Of the uh, of the nil nil, but we've gone there. You know, we've taken the lead three times and come away with with a, with a three two win. And and Peter, you know, it's it's another game, isn't it? Where we've seen probably another side to to the Sean Dyche Everton. We, we've seen sort of digging in and and just sitting there and, and giving a, a side eighty percent of the ball in Brighton last week. We, we've seen us boss well semi boss games and lose near the start of the season. Wolves, Fulham, those kind of games. Palace was a mixture. I think, of everything, wasn't it? It was a crazy game, wasn't it? I mean, it shows how wrong I was with, with, with my nil-nil prediction. I think I had to check a couple of times I was actually watching this season's game. It, it was so end-to-end, wasn't it, across the, the 90 minutes. The players must have been absolutely absolutely shattered. It was like two two fighters just swinging at each other for um, for the majority of the game. But no, like, like you say, I, I was quite surprised how much of the ball... Crystal Palace had. I mean, I, they, they almost had seventy percent possession. Now you might expect that if we're playing, you know, something like you know Brighton or Manchester City, Aston Villa, you know, teams that really like to get on the ball and control the game. You know, true possession-based teams. That's not Crystal Palace. So, like you say, you know, we, we've got a really clear kind of game plan and identity now. We're, we've essentially become a, a counter-attacking team. And Dice has probably settled on a, a kind of a firm first eleven now, which I, I think is a real strength for us, and I, I, you know it's going to help the players. But you know, every week now, I think the fans kind of know what the start the starting team is going to be, and it's been a long time since we've had that kind of stability. But it it, it was odd watching the game because I'm still used to the Everton where if you get the first goal. You, you can relax a little bit and you, you're expecting to get something from the game. If the other, other side score, whether it's an equaliser or whether they go ahead, you, you kind of feel the the worry seeping and you, you normally see it on the pitch as well. So, I, you know, not to get too carried away, I think it was an important game yesterday because, you know, when's the last time we've seen Everton do that? You know, to, 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 go, to go ahead again and again. And to win a game like that, three two away, you know, away from home, I I can't think of the last time that you know a, a, a team has played as well as Crystal Palace played, because you you probably said that they were the, the better team in terms of the football they played, but it was it was the clinical Everton that we don't always see. You know, you go back to the start of the season, you look at the Fulham game, and you you look at some of the the, the games that. You know, we've come away from and said we should have won, but we didn't. Should be, should we be worried? That for me, yes, yesterday was was the complete opposite of that. It was a game where Palace probably had the better chances. They had more of the ball, but we took the chances that we had um, and came away with the win. Thank you, guys. I think I think the clinical element of the game was was, was a real, a really important aspect because how many times did we say at the start of the season? We're creating chances, you know, we just need the players there to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and, and we weren't scoring goals. Whereas you look at it now, and, and we look at look at it yesterday, and it's almost night and day in terms of you know, Everton only had eight shots, which you know, given you know, recent times, Everton have been creating a lot more than, than, than eight, eight chances per game and probably better quality of chances you could argue. But you look at the goals that we scored, and you know, they, they, were, they were all all difference in a way, weren't they? 
But there were there were chances in you know close to goal where there wasn't a case of what we were shooting for 20, 25 yards. We were, we created you know three decent chances. Okay, the Corys was was a, was a tapping off a, a great a great attempt from Michalenko. But it was just nice to see us, like you say, be be so clinical after what was an absolutely frantic start. You know, we, we've we've gone and scored inside the first minute. You know, Michalenko now has turned himself into, into prime Roberto Carlos. In, in the last last few weeks, um, and he's adding adding goals to his game. You know, we could have scored two, you know, with that volley as well, which uh, which hit the post. But after sort of yet again facing adversity in terms of being pegged back twice, it was it was just great to see. But Jake, if we go back to the first the first minute, the first goal, and like I say, Everton started on the front foot, and it was very much a case of difference to Brighton where we we, we were sitting in. And Everton thought, no, you know, different side. Let's adapt. Let, let's let's start the game in a different manner. And how good to see Michalenko now. You know, he, he's he's up there with the attack and play. He got his shot away first of all, which was blocked, didn't he? And but then made sure he stayed in and around the box. Lovely little little ball that was that was dinked up by Jack Harrison. And and there's Michalenko. But he, he's he's in he's in good form, isn't he? Defensively attacking. But that's what we need from our from our fullbacks, isn't it? Is them to sort of be involved in shipping in with goals as well. Yeah, definitely. It was um, it was obviously like I say a, a great start, but it was um, for for me it was a it was a a massive goal in terms of when you look at the players we had in the box. I think when you when you say about the start of the season, when you look at times where we're creating chances, but we're we're getting crosses in, but you'd have one or two players in the box. You know, the odds were against us, whereas. I remember watching yesterday and the commentator said Everton had flooded the box with players. Now, I don't think we quite flooded. We had about four or five players in the in their box in the first minute. You know, it's, 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 I think it's a, a massive change from, from where we was at the start of the season. We're getting players in the box, like I say, getting Michelanco in there um, is is massive. Um, obviously, when, you, when the crosses go in, you, you need the odds in your favour. The more players you have in the box, the more chance you've got to score. And you know, it's sim- simple. Um and I think in in terms of of Mikalenko, I'm just, I'm really pleased for him. I think he's he's always worked hard. He's always what looked like one of those players that that wants to to put in the work, wants to do well, wants to play well for the shirt. Um, and to now finally see that come into to fruition and, and him actually putting in some good performances. Um, you know, he's putting in good crosses. I'm seeing beat players, which you know I think in previous years sort of get the ball and sort of panic a bit and and pass it straight away as now he's looking to take players on. Um, I think, yeah, I think the, I think it's just general confidence in the team. I think everyone, every, the confidence came across from, like, so, well, from the first minute yesterday. Players, like, getting players in the box, taking players on, players getting forward. Um, and I think that, that starts from, I think that starts from how solid we've actually been at the back. I think, you know, when, you, when you've got that confidence of, I think, the two centre-halves have been outstanding for, for me. I think it's the first time in a long time we've had two centre-halves where you can go, you know what, you know, they're, they're solid. If, if, if we lose the ball, we've got a good chance that they're going to stop them. I think the, the, the confidence just comes from them and, and it's, it's, it's gone forward from there. And um, Yeah, it was a, a really pleasing, pleasing game to watch yesterday. Michelenko on the knee, a diff- well, difficult for me in the fact that, Mike, you've always rated him, <coughs> raised him, haven't you? And for me... I've probably been in the camp where like, I'm just not sure on this kid. And, um, you know, defensively, he's never been in question for me because as a fullback, he's, 
you know, very rarely gets beat one one on one. He's very very diligent, reads it well, doesn't always go to ground easily. You know, he's had some cracking games against some top wingers in the Premier League as well. But then he never really offered us anything going the other way. You know, we've like I've said previously previously on other podcasts, like we've been spoiled in Dina and, and, and Baines because they're the opposite of that, aren't they? Both of them two are arguably some of the best left backs. Not just Everton have seen in the Premier League, but um, well, certainly Baines, you know, one of the best in the Premier League, full stop. And um, but you got to get, you got to give massive credit to Dice there for, for backing him, giving the lad confidence. You know, he's come out and said, didn't he, in the post match, saying that he liked what he saw when he came in. He, the boy really, like you said, Jake, the boy really wants to learn. Um, he was very, you know, very keen to sort of impress and everything else. And he has added that slowly. Look, look. Let's be honest, he's never going to be Brian Baines and we have to accept that. But, um, you know, the fact the lad scored two in two now and, and arguably really should have scored three, really. I mean, very unlucky with that volley. And the players trust him now as well, don't they? You can see it. The amount of times we've played matches where, you know, we'd, get it, we'd work it out to the left-hand side, he'd make an overlapping run and the players would almost use him and then not, and come back inside again, almost knowing that, well, if we give it to him, he's just going to give it me back because he's not going to try and take the full back on. He's not going to try and get to the byline and put a cross in. Or even if he does put a cross in, it's going to be, it's going to be garbage. And, and you know, players, we're not stupid. At the end of the day, if they, if they don't trust someone, you'll, see, you'll, you'll openly see it. Um, and massive credit to, to Daesh as well, like I said, but also to Miko as well for, for really forcing his way back into the side. And then now arguably being one of the first names on the team sheet. A hundred percent, and you know the, the, we, we discussed them um, at length last week in terms of his, his turnaround in form in in recent weeks. Um, you know we had a difficult a difficult start to his Everton career. I, I said this uh, in in midweek for for a piece of the road, and you know very much a case of he he'd been uh, signed by Benitez. He then got sacked. Lampard comes in. He's there for so long. Lampard goes. He's had obviously the war in Ukraine has been going on. Obviously, his dad, his dad was uh, was was also fighting in that. Um, he's had injuries as well, and and he's just now probably starting to settle into into the Premier Premier League. Twenty four years of age. He was saying this last week. He's still a young player, um, and and you know he's only going to get better. And and I think we're we're seeing that consistency now. Um, we know defensively he was always being better than going forward. I think when I was starting to see the two come together a little bit, but as Sean Dyche said last week, first and foremost, he's a fullback and he needs to defend them. And, you know, again, yesterday, he put in some great tackles, you know, take his goal out of the, out of the, uh, out of the equation. Defensively, you know, he was good. And it's, it's what you, it's what you want to see. And it was a great start, you know, and we thought, okay, we always say, you know, don't score too early, Everton, you know, every single time over the years that happens, you know, we're just going to sit back and soak it up. But the game being what it was, it was very, a very, very frantic start. And <clears throat> we found ourselves, obviously, a few minutes later, we're back to one all. And, and what's your take on that penalty, Pete, in terms of we saw one later on where Eze gets booked for diving, you know, pretty soon after the first penalty. Looking at the, at the, the penalty that was given, obviously, Brantwaite dangles a bit of a leg up, but then looks to pull his leg away. Do you think it, it was a penalty? Do you, do you think that it was justified? It went to VAR. Don't forget, they they took a little bit of time checking that. What, what's your what's your take on that? I think it was a soft pen. 
I think it was it was definitely soft because I, I think what you're saying spot on when you when you look at it both in real time and and slow mo the contact looks minimal and I think it's one of those where Eze's just felt a leg and has has just allowed himself to to topple over. Um, I, I thought it was a bit tongue in cheek kind of after the game. You know, a lot of pundits and Voy Hodgson saying, oh, you know, Eze, you know, Eze's not the type of player to to dive and throw himself on the floor. And look, I'm I'm not going after Eze and saying he is, but how many times did you hear people say that about Drogba? Um, you know, how many times have you heard people say it about Salah? It's it, it it's just what players do. It's what atta- attacking tricky players do. It's part of the game now, and we have to accept it. But yeah, it was a very very soft penalty, um, and it's one of those where if it's at the other end of the pitch, I wouldn't be confident that that Everton would get a decision like that. But I, I think you just have to accept it now as 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 part of football. And you know, if a player feels any kind of contact in the box. They're going to throw themselves on the floor or just, you know, allow their legs to go. And I think that's probably what's happened on, um, on the second one really, that either absolutely minimal contacts being made, certainly not enough for um for SA to to go down, or you know the movement of Branthwaite is you know in a split second in SA's mind made him think, okay, you know, I might get another one here. I'm going to go down again, um. Because I think Roy Hodgson said, you know what, you know why would he go down in a situation like that? But if you look as he's as he as he cut in, great bit of skill. He's kind of coming a, a, away from goal. His back's almost to goal at the point he goes down, and he's surrounded by about four defenders. So there was there was no way from that position he was ever going to get a shot off. Certainly not a shot that that would trouble Jordan Pickford, and there wasn't a pass on for him either. So that that's why he's gone down, and it and it probably was a dive. But I think the tricky thing for for the referee is there's probably not a lot between the first decision and the second. And I think it's one of those where, you know, would he get a yellow card if he hadn't have got the penalty in the first place? So, you know, two two slightly funny decisions, but I think actually probably on balance that the refs got them both both right there, but by the letter of the law, it was a soft pen, but by letter of the law, it was a pen. And I do think he was he was right to book him for the second one. I think that's bang on that, Pete, the assessment there. I think, by the way, Eze was at times brilliant yesterday. You know, you credit where it's due. Lovely footballer, completely transforms Palace. You know, him and Elise fit for them and they're suddenly a much better side. Take them two out of that team and they haven't had them for spells this season. And they're a very ordinary side, Palace, aren't they? I think Eze's a very, very good footballer. Um, You know, He'd be perfect for, for us in a, in a 10 there behind it, behind the Calvert-Lewin, do you know what I mean? Someone that gets on it in the pockets, turns with the ball, runs at you, can spot a pass, got a goal in him, you know, you know, queued off the Palace for tying him down on a contract as well. But I, at times he was the best player on the pitch for me yesterday. And um, that first one, you're right, Pete, he, he was kind of running into traffic, wasn't he, as well? Do you know what I mean? So was he really going to get a shot off? And it's it's a it's a bit of naivety from from... From Branthwaite, in a way, kind of try to dangle his leg and sort of try to pull it away, you know. But he'll he'll learn from that because uh, overall, like Jake was saying before, you know, he's been outstanding this season along with Tarkovsky. But um, and then the second one, yeah, you're right. He went down far too. He great bit of skill to get past him. Oh, a little body shimmy, didn't he, on the touch lines, left him for dead. And then um, you know. Yeah, he was he was cutting onto his left foot with his back to goal, Pete. Like you said, he was he was barely going to get any purchase on any shot, even if he was going to shoot from there. So, um, fair play to the ref as well, because he's a new ref, isn't he? I think that was his fifth Premier League game, and you know, you know, Palace isn't an easy game away from home. 
to ref. He was strong there. Plenty of other refs would have easily pointed to the spot there, by the way. So credit to the ref there for having having the balls to sort of go, no, you've dived there, son, or you've gone down far too easily, and then and then booking him. I thought the ref overall, on the whole, had a good game as well, by the way. Yeah, I think I think um, I, I said to you, I think up to up to a point in the first half, I think he refereed the game very well. I had no complaints. Um, but as we know, every single week now, it's like ref watch for every set of fans because of the the, the pressure that they brought upon themselves. And I mean, it takes me on then, Jake. To I was obviously Eze's been booked for for that dive, and whether whether it's right or wrong, he's been booked. We then see. Quite quite soon after this, this is where now and now I didn't have an issue with this, but it, it's certainly a talking point. He brings Onana down quite. You know, you could argue a fairly cynical foul. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think that that then should have been the second yellow card for Gazi? Because obviously Onana's trying to break free. Obviously, it, it was an obvious foul. Do you think then, you know, on a yellow card, he should have gone at that particular point? Um, it's a it's a tough one. I think I think. Because he's been given the yellow for diving and, and it did take a little bit of time for VAR to, to clear that one up. I think that the ref sort of in his head thought, was it a contentious one, was it not? I mean, obviously it turned out not to be. Um, I think once he had a look at it, he would, he would have been happy with his decision. But I think at the time, he might have had a little bit of a question mark. So then to, to give a yellow card straight away, um, I think it would have been a, would have been a massive call. And, and like you say, for, for a ref in his in his very uh, infancy of, of being a ref, I think is would have been a would have been a massive call. Um, for for me, there was one a little bit later on, which I, I don't think he was even given a foul. I think on James Garner on the edge of the box, where I think he was you know he's about to pull the trigger and he, he's 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 nudged him in the back. You know, it's a it's a professional foul. It, it would have been it would have been you know, you know Garner would have got the shot away. Um, for me, that was more of a yellow card than than the Anana one. Um, whether that would have been a you know an, an accumulation, whether he's, he's had another word of him there, um, but yeah, I think I think he was. I think on another day he might have got got a second yellow for for one of those two. Um, if if a ref wanted to to get involved a bit more than than the ref did yesterday, but um, yeah, I think I think he was probably just just um, all right to stay on the pitch. I think I think and and, and that first one with, with Onana, I I said this didn't I during the game yesterday. I think that we do look every single time, say especially when someone's on a booking and he fouls somebody again, automatically fans will think he's on a yellow card, must must be a second booking. Not every not every foul is is a is a bookable offence. so the one on Onana for me, I was like, Well, okay, you know, we, we can't be looking for bookings for every little foul. But that James Garner one was was the one for me where as I say, I thought the referee referee the, the game pretty well, and it was that particular that particular situation where that was quite blatant for me. That was quite obvious, and and it was quite clearly a foul. Um, you know, he's on a booking as well, and that that was a that was the one where the referee for me got it wrongly, and and I think that this is don't get me wrong, we, we need new referees coming through. We had we had one at Goodison Park last weekend. They were, I don't think it was particularly great, but. You know, you've got you've got to give referees the benefits of the doubt when they're coming into the Premier Premier League, first games, first season. It takes time to get up to speed, and and for me, they can't be any worse than what the current crop of referees are in terms of their level of performance. Um, but but the fella yesterday Lee, with that one where Garner is, you know, we edge of the box, he's running running through, certainly gets a little shove, little little clip, 
that one is a second yellow card, isn't it? Yeah, I think Jake's right. I think he he knew what he was doing. Um, you know, he, he knows he's the wrong side, and the ball's you know he, he's reacted slower than Garner. The ball's dropped in an inviting area for a shot, and he's done that split second thing where he sort of panicked, doesn't he? And 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 you know nudged him as you said. And which is obviously nudged Garner off balance to stop him getting a shot off. And I think the ref knows if he gives that, he's probably then going to have to book him. Um, and he obviously lets play go on. And I thought that that's one of the few decisions in the first half that he actually got wrong. On the whole, he, you know, he refereed the game really well. Going back to what you're saying as well, I mean, you know, ever since the Liverpool cock-up or the debacle there with regards to, you know, check complete, check complete, they've now reverted back to literally taking forever and a day to, to review every decision again now, aren't they? Rather than, uh, you know, trying to be quick uh, and then come to a, to, to a wrong decision like they did in the Liverpool game. But that's obviously a communication issue more than anything else. I think it's getting to the point now where there's so many voices around the game, it's getting talked about nearly every match that, for me... They should just just scrap it all together. Go, you know, stick with the goal line technology. Everything else, yeah, that works fine. Um, but using VAR to almost check nearly every decision now, it's, it's it's just it's just ruining the game. It's ruining the game, you know, particularly for the fans at the ground more than anyone else, really, because you don't get to see anything. You don't know what they're reviewing half the time. You know, the players, you can see it's driving them nuts as well. You know, you celebrate a goal and then. You kind of like pause to check it for three or four minutes, and you go and celebrate again. It's just, it's just, it's just not conducive to the pace of the Premier League. Other sports that are a bit more start-stop, yeah, then fair enough. You know, it probably does. The technology maybe will lend itself to it, but certainly not for football because it's taken away from the spectacle of it now. And 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 until they can get it absolutely nailed, um, and, and why they haven't brought that technology and they're using the Champions League for the offsides as well is just baffling. Um, so for me, they'd, will they go back now and say, "Look, forget it," or probably very unlikely because it'd have to be across the board, wouldn't it? But um, I'd rather us just go back to hum- human error, to be honest. And, and you will get contentious decisions, of course, you will. But at least you know it's not stopping the game for you know ten minutes while they while while they review if you're you know half half a toenail offside or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there was there was a lot of lengthy stoppages yesterday, wasn't it, for for the goals? You know, we we look at um, obviously, the, their penalty that they they equalised. We look at our second goal. We look at their second goal. They all had lengthy, lengthy stoppages for for VAR checks, and it, it's it does take away. I mean, when we scored the second goal, you, you, your first thought is, well, that's an out of VAR just because of where the core was and and how open it was, and and I think we need to, you know, it takes so much away from. From the the sport as a spectacle, doesn't it? And you know the the league cup, and we we haven't seen it used that we in in the league cup, and how refreshing it is when you don't see it get get used, and you can you know you you're safe in celebrating a goal because you're looking at the at the assistant referee. The flag's not up, you know it's going to be all right. So um, yeah, they, they've got it. They've got to get it right. But let's not spend you know another podcast discussing <laughs> refereeing decisions in VAR because Everton have come away with a win, and you know after going back to one all. Being under a little bit of pressure, we start the second half, Pete, on on the same the same front foot, don't we? We started the first, and inside a few minutes of the of the uh, the second half starting, we're ahead again. And we've said it already, Michalenko. It, it was almost reminiscent of that Leicester goal, wasn't it, last season, where he catches a volley absolutely perfectly, hits the post, man on the spot again, 
Mr. Decore, who, who since since Sean Dice has, has brought him back in for that Arsenal game last season after obviously the fallout with, with Frank Lampard, he's probably been Sean Dice's most most important player since he's uh, since he arrived at the club. Definitely, yeah. I I, I think he's he's been our most important player. He's all Mr. Reliable now. Um, and you know when we've I think we did a bit of com- comparison in a, in a recent podcast, didn't we, between him and some of the other top midfielders in Europe in terms of stats. But he's he's up there, isn't he? He's up there for um, for goals and assists, and he, he just scores such important goals for us. And his his strength is definitely just being that kind of in, instinctive, reactive player. You know, right place, right time, and he, he tends to score difficult goals that he doesn't have a great deal of time to. Uh, to think about, I was going to say the same thing about the Mikalenko volley and the the, the Leicester goal. That again, the, the lad can strike a ball, can't he? There's some technique on on that. It would have been a, a right goal if it would have went in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I know we've not spoke about it yet, but the third goal as well. You know, Decore was was at the heart of that, and he. I said recently, I, I do think really Sean Dyche has has built this team around him as much as Calvert Lewin. I know we've spoken so much about how we miss Calvert Lewin and how we need that kind of centre forward and how important it is to have, have Beto. But, you know, for me, Decore is at the heart of our team. And um, I think when we initially signed him, you know, this is the kind of the version of Decore that Evertonians really wanted to see, that kind of box-to-box player. You know, he's absolutely tireless, isn't he, over, over 19 minutes. You know, the fitness of, of the man. Um and he's just so difficult to play against, isn't he? You know, would would you want Abdullah Decore pressing you if you're a centre half? Um, and what, you know, when he gets the ball, he's 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 positive. You know, he always goes forward, always makes something happen. And you, I don't know, he's, he's a player you have confidence in. He's a player you have belief in that he can change the game and he can change the game at any point. So I'm I'm thrilled for him. I'm thrilled for Everton, and um, you know, he, he absolutely deserves his contract. Hundred percent, and you know, great, great news that he signed that, that extension. Great news that he's, he said he's not going to go to the Africa Cup of Nations as well, um, which means he's going to be around for for the fixtures in Jan, January and February, which which is important for us given the the size of of our squad and and the, the probably apparent lack of business we're probably going to be doing or not doing in the uh, in the in the January transfer window. But he's a real he's a real pest at times, Jake, isn't he? The core and he's we discussed them. Uh, ourselves at length a couple of weeks ago where he's quite erratic with the ball at his feet and sometimes he, he overcomplicates things and sometimes he rushes things and what have you but now he, he he's a player that you you know when he's fit there's no one that can come in and and do what he does is there no i don't think there is and i think it's that that magic word i think that we can use for, for quite a few of our, our, our players now and that's that confidence um i think he knows his role now, he's got that role of not necessarily having to be too defensive. Um, you know, like I say, you get that box to box up and down. Um, and I think the 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 one for me was was the pass for the, for the third goal to to Garner. I, th- I don't think he would have played that pass two years ago or last year. I, I think he would have probably looked to get it out wide and, and be a bit safe, maybe pass it sideways. But that was a it was a clinical pass. It was it was at the time I, th- I thought it was. A fairly simple one, but when you look at it back, you know, he's had to he's had to really thread that one through, and um, I think that's one thing that that he's definitely added to his game. Um, 
is that that clinical that clinical pass. I think we we've said for for years that that number ten role is a is an area where you know we we need that, especially with with Calvert Lewin up there to have somebody that can can pick a pass and and find a find an angle is is massive for us and and for him to be now hopefully adding that to his game. You know, I think he's just going to go from from strength to strength and. Like I said, I think it's just just that confidence um, that I think Sean Dyche has given. Like I said, I think Lee said, he, you know, you've got to give him that that credit. You know, I think he's he's turned it round under under difficult circumstances um, to to now have a team where we were saying, you know, you could see the confidence sort of oozing through the team yesterday. Um, I think massive credit has to has to go to Sean Dyche. Yeah, of course, and and, and he's he's got to be the man who's. Who's basically given the the applause for for turning the uh, Corey's career around and everything, given the fact he was frozen out under under Frank Lampard, and you you look at how important, as I say, he has been since since Sean Dyche has come in, and and you know he is now he's, he's undroppable if 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 that is a you know if we can use that word, and it's great to see him you know yet again find find the back of the net. He's so important to, to us, but. But Lee, in, in typical Everton style and fashion, you know, we 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 rode our luck anyway. And and at that particular point, at two one, you know, the, the stats then come up, don't they? A little bit later on in that second half, and the second half possession stats went to eighty percent, twenty percent in, in Palace's favour, and Everton just sat in, and and we were riding our luck, and we, we were inviting things on at times, weren't we? And this is this is why I say that you know that the game yesterday was a, a combination of. A lot of things are what we've maybe seen under Sean Dyche in terms of yet yeah, we we were digging in at certain points. At times we were open and expansive and 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 taking the the, the play to, to Crystal Palace, but we, we sort of them sort of went into ourselves, didn't we? And invited them on, and you see the the mistake there that is made. But you know we don't know whether it was Tarkovsky's fault. Did he get a shout? Was he just trying to be cute and letting letting the ball go and thinking Pickford would be there? We you know we don't know. Um, but that second goal was a, a poor goal to concede, but probably a goal that was that, that was of our own making as well. Yeah, and and, and not really in tune with the way Tarkovsky has been playing this season, and and indeed in that match, by the way, he was he, he was winning so many first balls, uh, anything that was put in the box on set pieces, open play, he normally gets his head on it first. First half, he had, you know, I did a little, um, did a little dink to the back post, didn't he? He's, he's got a standing jump there, with Edward closing down on him. He went a brilliant header to knock it out for a corner, for example. Um, but this is the bit where I think I text you boys in the group. This is the bit I take umbrage a little bit with Dyche, and I think this for me is the next phase where Everton need to improve. Um, is we've done this against a few teams this season, and, and you know, more notably last week against Brighton, and then obviously this week is you know that classic 80 20 percent where we just completely drop off we sit in we sit in very deep and teams just camp in our half then and then we're essentially we've got no real get out i've got no problem as sitting in a shape and being hard to beat and then saying to the opposition say go on then play through us or if you put it in we'll head it out but then when we do get it we've got to counter with some sort of purpose or some quality and that's the bit I took a bit of umbrage with yesterday in the fact that we did drop in as soon as Mikalenko scored. Uh, not Mikalenko, sorry, as soon as Decore uh, scored to go 2-1 up. And then we just completely, as if to say, right, we're going to sit like this now for 40 minutes or 40 minutes plus to try and see this game out. And 
as as what happened with with Brighton the other week, you know, you, you're liable to a deflection, you're liable to a bit of fortune. And to be honest, I really felt sorry for Calvert Lewin in that period as well. In fact, for most of the game, because you can see by his body language, he's up against two big centre halves who know the Premier League really well. That gay, he's a good centre half. Let's be fair, he's an athlete, he's a good player. Anderson's savvy. You know, I mean, he's been around the block, he knows the game. He was getting little change out of them, Calvert-Lewin, because they do like the physical contact, both those two centre-halves. And we were just penned in. And if you look at that goal, their second goal, yes, it was ultimately a mistake from Tarkovsky, but it starts when Decore actually wins the ball back on the edge of our box. And then he just just lumps it into the channel. Doesn't even look, really, just to say, I'm going to lump it there. Dom, you run after it. Obviously, it's a nothing ball. And then, you know, they tidy up quite easily and then mount another attack again. And I just think, like I was saying before, that's the next phase I think we need to, to to work on. And when I say that, I mean, like, if we are going to drop off in that position, I want us to be working on patterns of play. So if we do win it back, where are we going to go? Do you know what I mean? Where, you know, rather than just hit it, hit it into the channel, do we kind of say, look, Dom, every time we get it, we're going to kind of put it in this area. We're going to put it to your feet or, you know, just say to one of the wingers, look, you, you, you drop into this place or we'll try and play out or, Whatever, just have some form of pattern of play rather than just, you know, sitting in a shape and then lumping it forward. Uh, and to be honest, once it got to 2-2, and by the way, I think Tarkovsky left that, judging by Pickford's body language, by the way, I think Tarkovsky did just leave it. Uh, uh, you know, he wasn't berating Pickford by any means. Well, he used to say, why did you shout? So it looks like he just left it, not knowing fully where, where Edward was. And then... You're arguably going to say there, then Palace, who were the better side, like Pete was saying before, at this point, they've got all the momentum. Then, you know, suddenly, it, you know, it's under the lights. It's one of the hardest grounds to go to when the noise is up. They're kicking their end, and you're thinking they've got all the momentum here. You know, if anything, it's three-two Palace. And credit to the lads, and this is where I think Dyche deserves a little bit of credit as well. Is since he's come in and the messy inherited. One of the things he did inherit was a real soft underbelly of his side, wasn't it? Where if you did get in under pressure, particularly away from home, you know, we just capitulate. A bit like what United are right now, to be honest. You know, it's almost like a very soft side. And that's a real resilience there. That's been built up over time. The players just gathered themselves together, didn't panic. The crowd is up. And then, you know, we got a foot back on the ball again and started playing a bit of football. And that ultimately led to a brilliant third goal. You know, arguably the best goal of the game, really. Um, and the fact that lovely bit of, you know, ball gets played, recycled. We're, we're higher up the pitch. Ball gets recycled back to Tarkovsky. That's a lovely ball, by the way, into Garner. And the brilliant thing with Garner there, he could have easily, you know, just wall passed it back to him, couldn't he? Easily. But he didn't. He turned on it. And then it's all of a sudden he's facing their goal. And then obviously he follows his pass and... and like Jake was saying before, that's a great pick out of that by Decore and the pressure as well on his weak foot as well. By the way, you know what I mean. I mean, you know, Hamas Rodriguez would have been happy with that one. And and fair play to Garner because you know it's probably not the play you want judging by his finishing ability on on the end of it. Um, but he, that first touch almost makes it, doesn't it? Because it, it knocks it into the space. And he just gets there just in time, didn't he? Um, uh, to slide in and, and hook it in with his left foot. And massive credit there. Massive credit. Because 
let's be honest, and, and Pete framed it brilliantly before, like, you know, we, we probably didn't deserve to win the game. A draw maybe would have been a, a fairish result. We didn't deserve to win it. But to go there and, and, and a really difficult place and, 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 and get, a, get a winning goal there with, with five, six minutes to go is, is, is huge testament to this side. Like you say, of, of all the players that you want in that position, you, you want to be Garner Gay. The, the last time he hit the target was actually in, in 2017 in a trading session. So for, for him to actually do that and, and score a goal was <laughs> was uh, was incredible. But it was lovely, lovely finish, you know, lo- lovely bit of football. Obviously, he's come on at half-time, Amadou Onana. He seems to aggravate his, his calf again in, in that first half. So Garner comes on and, you know, he said, he said to the minds, you know, I, I'm ready, you know, when you, when you need me. Lost his place, but I'm ready. And and he comes on and he and he does the business. And great to see him grab a goal, Pete, wasn't it? You know, we we talk about getting goals throughout this side. And we look at the players who scored now this season. And there's, there's goals everywhere, you know, from from sort you know, Tarkovsky to Michalenko, Ashley Young, obviously Garner Gay, James Garner, Calvert Lewin, Beto, Dan Juma, the Corey, they're coming from all over the place, Harrison. So it was great for Garner to get his first goal since coming back to the club from from PSG. Definitely, and and like Lee says, it, it it's the first touch that makes it. It was such such a good first touch. The Corey's ping that ball in. It's a great pass, but it's coming at pace, and it's that first cushioned touch on his right foot that just sets him up. Um, and it's yeah, it's it, it's absolutely the right shot to to go the other way across the keeper. Um, I thought he had a great game, and it's it, it's credit to him really because I guess effectively he's he's kind of been dropped, hasn't he, in, in favour of of James Garner with James Garner's form and James Garner's development. So, you know, he he could sulk, he could drop off his game, but whenever he's he's come in, for me, he's he's just performed at that consistent Garner gay level. You you kind of know what you're getting, and I, I know we've reflected that now. Yeah, he's a, he's an older player and expectations need to shift a little bit. But look, potentially this could be the perfect role for him at this at this point in his in his career. You know, James James Garner and understudy to him. Garner gave maybe not having as, as much pressure on him in terms of you know minutes and and legs. And look, it's it's not bad, is it? Having a player of his experience and caliber coming off the bench to maybe settle and con- and control the game a little bit and. Absolutely fantastic that he was the one to um, to kind of come up with the winning goal because, like like you say, when he came in at, um, at half time, I thought he was exceptional. Um, I thought he was ab- absolutely brilliant coming into that midfield in a, re- a really difficult game. You know, like Lee was saying, there pa- Palace were playing some really excellent football. Um, th- they were probably the, the the better team, let's say, in footballing terms. So he's he's come on at, to a really fast paced game. Um, against you know an, an aggressive midfield, uh, and he's you know he's had a really top performance there for me. Yeah, and, and something that we've be, we've become accustomed to since he's come back. Really, you know, at times he he, he can be a little bit lax on the ball, can he? Sometimes he plays that blind pass and without, without, obviously without looking and gets us into trouble. But I think Garner Gay is, is a consistently good performer um, and an ideal player to come off the bench when when you need him to. Uh, as he as he proved yesterday, but I think I think the scenes, you know, when, when he scored his goal, and you look at the celebrations, obviously with the players on the pitch, the players on the bench as well, and and Onana, he was he's been taken off. He got booked for over celebrating, by the way, for for that particular goal because he's he's come charging down the uh, the sideline. But the the actual the the celebrations throughout the team, 
I think uh, the evidence of of this almost newfound team spirit. Now we we, we look at you know where we are now. You know that the last nine games in all competitions we won six, which which is a, is a great return. You know for for a side who who couldn't win a raffle, you know over the last two years, it it's it's an incredible turnaround in terms of our form. You know we we look at the, the games that we've won in in recent times. Obviously the, the Palace game, West Ham. Brentford all away. Um, obviously, we've we beaten Bournemouth at home. We've gone to Villa away in the uh, in the League Cup and beat them and look good in doing so. And I think the you know the question really take is where where is this 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 team spirit coming from now? Do you think because you know we know how hard it's been the, the last couple of couple of, um, of seasons, and a lot of these players were part of that. Especially last season, but a lot of these players have been there in and around the club um, for for those two years. What 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 do you what do you put that down to? Because it's 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 evident, it's clear. There's never say the attitude, there's a resilience in that side now. What do you think the reason for that is? Um, well, I think first and foremost, it, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, I think over over my career so far, I, I've been involved in a couple of teams that have had to turn around. Some really bad performances. One that sticks out would probably be the one of our nuts four day sides. We didn't win a game for like a thousand days or something like that. It was it was a joke. Like we couldn't even get like a little victory here and there. Um, but one thing for for me is there would be a hell of a lot of work going behind the scenes. I think there would be you almost have to put yourself in in this bubble. I think especially football where the, the noise is so much. You sort of have to sort of keep everything in-house. You have to do the work in-house. Try and keep all the outside noise out. Um, and just, I think, trust trust your processes. I think that's one thing that I think Daesh will have done really well since he come in. Um, you know, there's been a, a hell of a lot of noise. Like even at the start of the season, you know, wanting him out. Um, I think it's about just really focusing on the processes of what you do and, um, trusting that the work you're putting in is going to pay out. Um, obviously, um, you know that, that you have to, to see elements of that. And, and, and I think we did do that at the start of the season. There's a hell of a lot of uh, crap gets talked about in a, in a cricket dressing room. Um, and a lot of it is about football. And I was getting so much stick at the start of the season saying, are oh, you going to go down this season? And I was like, if you've watched the games, what we're actually, we're playing decent football, just not putting the ball in the, in the net. You know, I think that, that came through on our, on our um, XGs at times. And, you know, I was like, as long as they keep trusting that, that what they're doing is going to turn around and, you know, we're, we're going to get Calvert-Lewin back, we're going to get, you know, Jack Harrison back, we're going to get Dwight McNeil back, we're going to get these players back that are going to score goals, create goals. Um, I think that, I think that was probably the, the big thing for me is that, that, that they've, they've sort of shut out all the noise at the start of the season and trusted what they were doing is the right thing. And then eventually it has come good. And now you're, you're seeing that come to fruition and, and um, definitely seeing the, the confidence now and, and the fact that, that we're seeing those performances on the field give you more confidence and everything just lifts and, and the confidence and not just the players now, but but the fans and, and you know, even the, the, the pundits that you can't put a smile on their faces saying, actually, you know what? Everton are playing some good football now, and I think that's 
I think that's that's basically where, where we're at now. We're at, we're at a point where we've trusted what, what he's doing. We can see the evidence of what he's been doing and, and now everything's just, just everyone's confident and, and happy. I think it's a powerful combination. We've said this before. When you get the fans on side and then all of a sudden the players start winning a few games and then they trust the process. And like you were saying, Jay, the fans then trust the process. You know, it can elevate a team like way quicker. I mean I look at I look at Everton now, hopefully parallels maybe, although it's very, very early doors, by the way, of when uh, Emre come came in at Villa. You know, that they were really floundering. Um, some decent talent in the squad, but the you know, Gerard, you know, really struggled to get a tune out of them. Emery comes in, has a real profound impact, obviously a clearly a top coach. Then all of a sudden, you know, the team wins a few, the fans get on board, and then all of a sudden they they they, they have a final push for Europe. Um, you know, we could. There's nothing to say if we keep certain players fit that we can't push the, you know, the upper ends of the table. Especially like you were saying before, we're unlucky not to be arguably on probably another six more points as well, really, if not, if not more. Um, we've been unfortunate, certainly in those early games this season. Um, but yeah, you know, hopefully the dreaded, you know, the dreaded R word is out of the conversation now. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you can never rule it out, but the, the real, the, the seems a real team there now. You know, we've always known there's been some quality in there, but um, there's a resilience, a, re- a real resilience, which Daesh and his team have really built up over time. Um, and, and, and that's that's really good to see. And I, I want to give huge credit as well yesterday because it won't get mentioned by many, but I thought Beto did brilliantly when he came on yesterday. You know, the lad hasn't had much of a look in. We've ultimately signed him as a, you know, hopefully a main centre forward. And, and let's be honest, he would have played every game pretty much last season. But can you imagine at, at 2-2 there, by the way, can you imagine bringing on Mope in that scenario where we're pending, we can't get out, Calvaloon's getting no change out of the centre-halves and we bring Mope on? Well, it would, have just, it, it would have just carried on being the same and we'd have been defending like the Alamo. But credit where Beto comes on, he, he, do, he does a lot of unseen stuff when he comes on. You know, he... I think in the first few minutes he comes on, he has that little tussle with Gay in the corner, and like almost like you know they both get you know flying to the ground. But that that's almost him putting a putting a marker down, wasn't it? It's just to say, look, you're not going to push me around, son. And in, instantly he gave us that way of getting out because he get on he got on the ball, he roughed up a few of their players. Yes, we know he's a little bit ungangly and, and ungainly and things like that. But ultimately, he 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 really helped us have a platform to build after that when it went to two two. He was closing down. He was making good runs. He was unlucky not to get a goal. Wanted to make it four as well. Credit, you know, I'd have loved him to have got got a goal there. But you know, I, I think he should get some credit there for for what he did when he come when he comes on. Because like I said before, this time last year we'd have brought Mope on there if Calvert-Lewin was fit, and I, I don't think we'd have gone on to win that game. So you know, Dom, I did feel from yesterday the service he got in the main was poor. You know, we didn't. You know, we were effectively just trying to hit him from every angle, and like I said, their two centre halves, you know, generally did a number on him really. But Beto made a real difference, and I don't know what you think, Mike, but I thought I thought he he really really deserves some credit for his little cameo yesterday when he comes on. Yeah, of course. I mean, another example of a player who's been brought in and at the moment knows his position in the squad. And like Garner Gay in recent weeks, you know, if, when you need me, I'll be ready. And we know what he's all about. You know, we just, he's he said it for the last few weeks, probably just needs a goal in the league now just to settle him down and such. But he came on, he's a pain, he was physical, he was putting himself about. 
Um, and you know, we, as like you say, unlucky not to not to get a goal himself. He, he he's created the the space there pretty well, and he's just sort of slashed the ball really, hasn't he? And, and he's put it quite a few yards wide. But it it would have been a a fitting end really to the game to to to, to win by two. Yeah, yeah, we, it would have been a, a slight robbery because we said earlier on we probably didn't deserve to win the game on balance. But how many times in in, in recent years have we been in a situation where we have? Deserve something from the game and got nothing at all. How many times have, have we been pegged back and then lost the game? Because we, we were all thinking it. At two all, we were all thinking it. There's only going to go, going to go one way. And that's where this, this resilience comes in. That That's where, you know, the work that Sean Dyson and his team have done. Um, the players, obviously, are, are, are buying into it. Never say die. Don't give up. Keep going. And, you know, the second goal was, was the catalyst for us to then go, well, hang on. We're not just going to sit there now and just soak things up again. Let's, let's have a go. Let's, let's try and get the winner ourselves. And, and we did it. And, you know, Beto was a big part of that. And and the players who, who, were, who were coming off the bench at the moment are, are just as important as those who were starting games. We know Sean Dice is, is very trusting of his starting 11. We know he's not, you know, great at using the bench, so to speak, and he's got his reasons for that. But but players have got to come in and, and, and take the chance and do the job. And it's just, it's just nice to see them looking... So, um, so together after what we've been through, and and I think I don't know about you, Pete, but I, I think that the last couple of years have maybe been a little bit of a reason behind that as well. I think maybe given what's going on off the pitch at the moment, in terms of you know, the this independent commission, the obviously the uh, the results is due back on any time now, um, all, all those kind of things combined, the financial issues, I think almost that that may, may have brought this attitude of. It's us against them. Maybe, but I mean, to think about it another way, for, for me, it's, it's all the more impressive that we've been able to, to achieve what we have, particularly over the, you know, the past five or six games in, in the face of what's going on off the pitch, because I don't know what you lads think, but for me, every time, you know, I look, look at a newspaper, online article, sports media, it, it is like the world cannot wait for Everton to fail. It, it, it's like the, the world cannot wait for us to get a points deduction. The, the world can't wait for us to get into, um, you know, to, to financial trouble. The amount of articles after two games, um, you know, our Everton circle in the relegation drain. So it, it's so great going into this international break with that, that buffer, that gap between us and, and the bottom three and not to be associated with those conversations at the moment. But I, I really do think it's, it's absolutely massive credit to, you know, the manager, the staff, all of the players that in the face of that, that they've started to climb out of it because, you know, not just the pressure and the, the challenge of breaking away from the cycle of the past two years or so, but I think the, the amount of pressure from outside the club, you know, the players must feel that. And I think I think it's easy to forget that and lose sight of it. It it it, it does feel like everything's against us. And maybe as you say, Mike, that the players and the staff have managed to kind of channel that and take it in the right direction to take us forward and to step up. But you know, if, if we're looking back at the end of the season and we've survived, or you know, or even better, we're, we're in a kind of a mid-table or above position, and you know, maybe we've had a little bit of success somewhere. I, I think it will be an absolutely unbelievable season. And I, I really do think even that in itself would be a massive, massive achievement when you look at 
the legacy of the past two years and everything the club's been through. So I, I don't think it can be um, it can be understated or, or underestimated enough. Really, I, I I think you're absolutely spot on. It's it's massive massive credit to this group of players and hopefully what we're seeing now is the the building of something. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed it is, and and it's it's good to 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 end this you know this period of the season now another boring international break. We can all fall asleep for two weeks now until the Premier League returns, um you know, and and we've ended ended on a on a high. You know, how, how many times have we have we called for an international break just to break up the the um the, the poor performances that we've that we've been seeing in recent times? But it's great to end it on a on a positive. Four wins so far in the league this season. We didn't get our fourth win last season until Sean Dice's first game in February. So that's a that's a massive, massive change. You know, I think after after twelve games last season, we were on ten points. Um, so this was around the time now where, where the wheels really started to fall off on under Frank Lampard, and hopefully, you know, given what we've seen in the last you know the last nine games, where we say we won, won six of them. This is this is now the time for Everton to, to really kick on, and we're looking up, not down, which which is is the really important thing. No matter what comes our way, what they throw at us, you know, I think now it, it is important to look up, and and we're closer to to Europe than we are to the relegation zone. So that that's a that's a real a real positive as well. But um, it's just nice, it's just nice to feel a little bit more upbeat about Everton, and and it's all credit to the to the players and the manager and and the backroom staff. For, for obviously now having a plan, the players buying into it and and saving up performances, which is bringing about wins and and, and getting those points. Um, but that's us for for today and this week. Jake, absolute pleasure to to have you on on again. Um, we we will organise a, a game of golf. Well, well, Lee will organise a game of golf, and me and Pete will travel in tow <laughs> um, and, and and carry the clubs around uh, when you when you do move to uh, to Somerset. Yeah, I look forward to it, lads. Really enjoyed it. Nice to be on there and talk positively. Oh, uh, certainly makes a change. Certainly makes a change, that's for sure. But that's us for today, us for this week. We will be back in the week of the United game, not next weekend, obviously. Internationals will be going on. Let's see what players come back. Let's see who's fifth. More, more importantly, we'll, we'll do a little preview of the United game, which is uh, a couple of weeks today our four kickoff at Goodison Park. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.